0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and this week we've got three people from Aleph Insights. We've got Chris Ragg, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill. And this week we're discussing the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. So let's start off with Peter. Um, Peter, what gives you the heebie-jeebies?
1: So uh, there's been a recent spate of uh, videos, uh, particularly there's a couple of uh, young Russian guys who climb incredibly tall buildings. Oh, I hate that! And, and they, they, they 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 go up to the they go up the very tall building and then they climb the crane that's on top of the building and right out onto the edge. And uh, there's something quite thrilling about watching those videos and trying to get it as big as you can on the screen. Uh, and it it just gives you this sort of horrible, chilling feeling that almost as if you're there because it's so the, the quality the quality of the video is excellent and it's and it's just incredibly kind of chilling. You get the um,
2: you you get that thing in
1: your legs. Yes, you drawing. get oh Yeah, yeah, you get this sort of. Yeah. You get that fear. Yeah, not know like, what that's all about. Like, but... like being on the edge of a cliff for real. Vicarious uh, fear. And, yeah. vicarious fear, and it's incredible. Um,
2: so where where one heebie jeebie is mild une- unease, and ten heebie jeebies is total abject panic. How many heebie jeebies does that does that give you?
1: Probably about a three. Right, uh, it's not nearly as bad as. Um, I've done quite a lot of hiking and stuff in the past and on, on very precarious ridges and things in, uh, in Scotland and places. And that is obviously much more genuinely scary. And mountain biking across a narrow track with a big ravine on one side, that's up, up there at sort of 8, 9, 10 kind of heebie jeebies levels. I'd say that 10 is probably where you'll just become paralyzed. Yeah, total lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Total lockdown. You just sort of you can't move.
3: So but... hold
0: on, before we go on. So are heebie jeebies different from phobias?
3: I I I th- I think they are because I think ph- phobia, uh, you know, phobia is 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 kind of clinically defined to some extent, and it's the the point at which you know uh, the your aversion to the thing causing the fear is is debilitating, and and you know it's it's locked into sort of chronic anxiety. So I think heebie jeebies is is less um, less clinical, and, and, and
1: phobias are generally sort of less rational so it might be a fear of something very specific like cauliflower okay great so we've clarified that nick what gives you the heebie-jeebies
2: well i mean i don't think we've quite decided actually what the difference is um but i've got i've got a weird phobia uh which is well i don't have anymore but when i was a kid uh i was really scared of the elephant man uh joseph merrick uh very nice man apparently but i but i nevertheless the concept of the elephant man scared the hell out of me i have no idea why um my uh when i when well, I he did look it, a bit
0: funny he,
2: he was an unusual looking gentleman there's no doubt about it but i uh when i told my friend michael uh about this he said um oh that's really serious it must have been hard to avoid him in everyday life <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um yeah i mean it seems odd that you would even know that you had a phobia of something which you just but it was like i was very preoccupied if the, the lights were off i would kind of imagine him being there uh i couldn't even have have the book in the room you know uh so so yeah um that's that was the, quite it used to be a lot of heebie-jeebies and I still get a, a, a heebie-jeebie uh <laughs> looking looking at pictures of the elephant man um but yeah and apart from that I mean I've got uh, obviously I've got spiders used to be a big thing with me and I've trained myself out of that but they but I think this is the, the unusual thing actually uh which we've touched on slightly is the fact that you have a, an irrational response which um which you're able to inhibit and I think actually physiologically that is how it works that the amygdala um, responds with fear, uh, often for reasons that you're not aware of, um, and and you can then, but your prefrontal cortex, which is the sort of primary, the sort of conscious bit of your brain, you're able to uh, actually kind of control, put a lid on the the amygdala. So um, so I think I think uh, yeah, so I think I think that's what's happened in those cases. I mean, if I look at a spider i still. I still get. You know. Mm. I still feel like I want to wrap my arms up and run away. Yeah. But I've. But I've trained myself not to.
1: Do you get the same thing with photos of spiders?
2: Yeah. I mean. So this is the interesting. So one. One of the. I mean. I've got direct personal experience of how this is a completely non-conscious um, reaction. Uh, I remember very distinctly once I was in uh, I was at university and in my room and I, I suddenly realised that I I had this panic response and I didn't I didn't know why, and I looked and I realised I looked down and there was a picture of a palm tree, which had eight fronds and looked like a, a spider and my, my the spider recognition bit of my brain had clearly just gone oh there's a spider there, you know run away uh, but you know I, so that is completely non-conscious, I hadn't even been aware. Uh, uh, I wasn't thinking the thought of a spider was not but the reaction was there the fear was there but the th- even the thought of, of there being a spider there was not was not present uh, you know do we want to broaden this out well, um, we haven't found we- out what Chris he- yeah, he- he- he like, is yeah I want to
3: hear about Chris I want to talk about myself um, Chris well obviously I'm entirely fearless but um, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but that <laughs> that not being quite true uh, I think my number one um, uh, sort of anxiety the thing that causes me most fear in my in my daily life is um probably a slightly irrational fear of harm to my children so in any in any set of circumstances i always perceive a myriad of threats to you know if they're if they're sort of on a on a swing or uh you know if they're riding a bicycle i envisage the 50 different scenarios that end in a trip to casualty
1: but they'll Um, be all right they're all wrapped in cotton wool that's right yes
3: i think
2: wrapping a child in cotton wool would actually probably be very dangerous yeah they'd they'd (laughs) overheat it's an unusual expression (laughs) yeah
0: yeah okay i thought you were going to say you know that's pretty mild i mean the things that you're scared of are pretty mild
2: but also that's that is really it's quite rational rational. i mean that's that's just
3: it's rational but i think i think the the extent to which i i I cannot i simply cannot prevent myself if i've conceived of a hazard i can't prevent myself from mentioning that hazard and saying just you know just watch out for the leaf on that tree over there that might fall in your eye you know um (laughs) And 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 that clearly is not rational, but it's something I I'm unable to. Um,
1: so, is it a heightened sense beyond the, nor- the beyond yes, the I, normal I, parental. My wife would
3: definitely it. say yeah. it is beyond the normal sense of.
1: And your wife's quite relaxed about this
0: stuff.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, certainly more so than I am. Yeah, I mean, okay. she's not she's not putting them on motorbikes without helmets or anything. Anyway, what's your,
2: what's your heebie-jeebie
3: then? So, my heebie-jeebie is well, my
2: phobia is wasps oh no no i hate those guys yeah i mean yeah.
0: they're one of the few animals that i will actually i'm better these days i tend to try not to kill them um but they just it's that exactly what we're talking about that sort of beating heart that sort of adrenaline going that sort of skin crawling thing and even just a picture of them just I, know. I, I how they, many times have you been stung quite a few times
2: but they are totally and utterly reprehensible organisms i mean they, there's just no there's no rationale for them at all. Right. I mean, they they what annoys me is that whereas their their their, you know, cousins, the bees, hmm. are are, you know, happily minding their own business, in very industrious, making honey, which they don't seem to object too much to us eating. Hmm. Um and wasps are just thieves. They just but steal the critical... they try and steal steal ketchup and jump on my chips and oh they The critical
3: the critical element I think is that, you know, bees have got a one a one shot. Uh, you know sting whereas and that's it you know it's it's it ends their life and the wasps but, can go on and on yeah but it's not just that it's the their design right yeah. i mean looking
0: at a wall and, and, yeah. and that
2: that bright yellow yeah and that with, kind of that pointy end as yeah. well. it's almost like the advertising the sting
0: yeah and last year in my kitchen we discovered a hornet Mm. my god i nearly fainted it was it was literally about two inches long it's it yeah, was they're it, fearsome fearsome yeah it scared yeah.
2: the hell out of me yeah. so it's like the it's the sort of uh animal equivalent of wearing a muscle tee and a uh, <laughs> uh sort
3: of
0: baseball cap and having a pit bull yeah exactly on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um
0: yeah i think that says something about us as sort of liberal north london type people but um so i guess you know the question is what's the point of all this or or i mean where do we want to take this what direction do we want to say i mean
2: well i think it's interesting that we have uh we have obviously sort of specialized software for specific phobias so we have you know we have a spider detecting algorithm perpetually running in our brain likewise with snakes um you know, and even likewise, with, so people who give you the creeps, for example, which I think is closest to probably what we mean by heebie-jeebies, that a particular place just, you know, freaks you out or a particular person you find uh, creepy, is, is probably not too dissimilar to that. It's going to be some kind of um, some kind of process in our brain looking for indications of danger and risk and so on and, and looking for social cues, all of these things that we probably evolved to do. The thing I find interesting is why, why we have phobias about... Um, about uh sort of things things like uh guns and nuclear weapons and flying which we haven't evolved uh to uh you know to 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 be scared of and yet we still have a kind of you know a physi a physiological type of reaction to them yeah. uh, so I can mean, you learn phobias
3: yeah i think i think you can and in fact often uh often they well, they're not they're not inherited but they are uh they are learnt from from parents so you know quite quite often I'm as you start flapping around when a wasp comes in you know you your children can can learn that equally uh, you can learn them from your own experience so if you you know if you have a um, a particularly um, disturbing childhood experience with a with a wasp or a spider or something uh, then that can that can be the the kernel that starts a starts a phobia. Uh, or even things outside our direct experience, or our our families' um, uh, direct experience; those we, those we might learn from. You know, now with with kind of mass media, you you can have sort of instructive acquisition of uh, mm. of a, of a phobia based on you know I'm terrified of of terrorism or or whatever it might be. I've never seen any terrorism. I don't know anyone who's seen any terrorism, but I am terrified of it because uh i've you know i've seen lots of material that tells me this is a terrifying yeah and and thing. i think
1: even in in in, in sort of working and business life um a lot a lot of a lot of, of decision making i've observed uh, so people worrying about whether or not they're going to make a profit or whether or not a particular contract's going to be worth pursuing because there's a chance of winning it and it's profitable uh, often the decision making appears rather than be sort of hard fact and data based and entirely rational. Often, it's kind of like, well, I have got a good feeling about this, and you know, and it, and it's it's almost as as if their brain has over the course of their working life and all the experiences, distilled all that knowledge down into a into an algorithm that runs in the background that gives them a good or a bad feeling about uh, about whether or not to do something.
3: And th- and this is why I I think you know you 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 should sort of um the the question really for me is is whether the heebie jeebies should be Embraced or or marginalised in in decision making. You know, to to what extent should we should we incorporate them into the decision making process or dismiss them as you know being entirely irrational?
2: Well, didn't I mean I think Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book about this, didn't he? Blink, which is sort of making the argument for intuition basically as a kind of means of Mm -hmm. um, of of uh, informing judgments that your brain is capable of making of jumping to um, uh, to the correct conclusion. And often you, a, an attempt to to rationalise it will will deviate you away from that conclusion. You know, I think he uses the example of um, you know, an, someone who's looking appraising a piece of art and um and just sort of feels like it you no, know, it's not it is not a Monet. And and it's, it can't really explain why they think it isn't, but will turn out to be correct. And you know, I think we've all been in situations where you can where you sort of your first reaction turns out to have been correct and you've and you've taught your taught your way out of it um you know and um uh, uh yeah i mean i mean so I, so I think there is a good argument for at least listening to it but at the same time you have to you've got to you've got you've got to not base everything on it right because we know that sometimes the heebie-jeebies are wrong
1: yeah i think it's potentially a a, a sensible strategy is to allow your heebie-jeebie to offer you a hypothesis which you then test against other hypotheses so if the heebie says don't do this thing. That's the hypothesis. There is well, to do, to not do it is better. So, but the other count, the, the, the account hypothesis is well, to do it is better. So you have got two hypotheses which you can. then I'm test now imagining with, with uh, directed data collection.
2: I'm now imagining it, it almost like a little an office in your brain, a specialist office filled with people who basically spend most of their time asleep and sometimes jump up and panic and wave their arms around. And, uh, you but, know, but I think we've got to they'll sometimes sort of wake up and send a message to your conscious brain. I, I, you see, and, I think that's uh, a
3: great analogy, because I think I think, um, I thi- you know, it does create a physiological response, you know, w- w- when you when you spy something that gives you the heebie-jeebies you know you do the the sympathetic nervous system kicks in and you get all that um you know increase in heart rate and and breathing and and sweating and uh you know sort of narrowing of focus all things which are which are, are useful to do di- but but also you know other physiological reactions it, it seems that we have evolved uh, a a a sort of rational um risk assessment mechanism if you if you take for example uh walking across a plank that's just you know six inches off the ground that you feel okay what are the what are the chances of me falling off this not really very very high uh and you can quite easily walk across it if you then place that plank at you know 100 feet off the ground uh, you You can actually your 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 motor control is is affected by that you are you know potentially um paralyzed and unable to do that and the the probability of it going wrong hasn 't increased but what has increased is the consequence of you of you getting it wrong and it, it seems that i i 'm sort of fascinated by the not only the cognitive element but the physiological mechanisms to to uh prevent you from from taking increased increased risk. Well I want to
0: talk about that. There's an example I want to talk about which I think sort of might um, inform our discussion and it's this idea of um, um, physiological responses and connection with um, uh, evolution and danger. Some years ago there was an experiment carried out with chimpanzees, right? Where you had two sets of chimpanzees, um, one, one who had been captured from the wild and one who had been reared um, in captivity. And what the scientists did is, first of all, they, um, they got the first, so, so chimpanzees from the wild, group one, um, they were in a cage and they um, showed them, and they revealed a cage next to them full of snakes, okay, and the chimpanzees went bananas um, in a
2: bad way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then they showed them they showed them some bananas and then they <laughs> and they, and they, they calmed totally right snakes. they calmed right down okay and so then what they did was they the second
0: set of chimps reared in, uh, in 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 captivity um, they showed them uh, they revealed a cage full of snakes nothing happened okay um, so they didn't react to the snakes and so then what they did is they put um, yeah they got the two sets of chimps right next to each other and they revealed to the first set who were frightened of snakes, they revealed um, some snakes to them. And group B chimpanzees could see the first set of monkeys and they could also see the
2: snakes. Okay? Were they monkeys or chimpanzees? Chimpanzees. Sorry. Okay, get it right.
0: And so, sorry. And so the first set of chimpanzees, again, sort of were went hysterical. Um, and the second group reacted to that as well and also became agitated. And then with the second group on their own, Sorry, this is slightly convoluted, but it's, it's it goes much somewhere more interesting. It's more complicated
2: than I think it actually is. Yeah, well, hold on. It is, actually. <laughs> what you're so, saying is that, the, is that the chimpanzees learned to be wait, scared of snakes from wait, mates.
0: Wait, wait, wait. And so then the, um, they repeated the experiment. And so with the chimpanzees who hadn't previously been frightened of snakes, were frightened of snakes, presumably because they'd learned it from the first set but here's where it gets interesting so they then um, again with these two groups next to each other they revealed a set of snakes to the first group it okay. sounds like
2: they must have had a lot of snakes for the
0: yeah. did
1: having. anyone check on if these snakes were happy about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were terrified <laughs> yeah. the chimpanzees yeah. Yeah.
0: but in a sort of they had set up some kind of mirror or some kind of process like this um, where the second group thought that the first group of chimpanzees were actually looking at a cage full of bunny rabbits Right, and so they saw um the the chimpanzees, you know, scared out of their minds of bunny rabbits, right? And so then they did a, a fourth experiment where they got this second
2: group, right? Group, group, group B, right? <laughs> yeah, so group B, reared in captivity. Group, once you thought the first group were looking at bunny rabbits when they were looking at snakes, or the other way around Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, and they revealed a cage full of bunny rabbits. Okay, having seen the first group
2: be really scared. Of what they thought was bunny rabbits. So my
0: question to you is this. How did the
2: second group react? Right. Well, my prediction... So I think probably they didn't react. Which makes... So if that's true, then that would suggest that you can only teach yourself to be scared of things that are actually scary but uh i don't know maybe i'm wrong what what do you guys think
0: so you're quite right they didn't react to the rabbits and so the point is exactly as you said
2: is that we have this idea oh we're
0: conditioned to sort of be scared of things that are dangerous to us um and that's only true if it can yeah i mean the right thing needs to trigger it we can't just be scared of anything
2: right i mean i think so yeah so it has to map to and and i think look i mean does this inform our discussion obviously there are things that we are a bit sort of let's say scared of you know things like, you know, getting cancer from smoking, or uh, you know, what the reason we put our seatbelts on because we're worried of crashing. But they don't. We have to. We really have to learn that. I mean, we don't have an instinctive. I don't think. I mean, probably there are people who who do have, have a phobia of of crashing their car, but really, it's a, not an instinctive reaction. But that obviously that, that is and that feels qualitatively different to me to the kind of reaction you get when when you look at a spider or uh or an elephant man uh you know that that it, which is a kind of so i wonder if if it's the you reason, mean that elephant
0: man standing behind you
2: i think the reason the reason that you uh that you are that we have fear of things like flying or exams is because they map onto things we are able to map them and perceive them as Uh, something which actually is is something we've evolved to be scared of so you know exams let's say it's kind of fear of losing status public speaking you know is a is something which where people are scared of it um because it's you know we have evolved to be very afraid of losing status in a group and it that it's that kind of thing um what about clowns (laughs) Well, I I guess I would say actually, being scared of clowns because of the makeup and everything, it is hard to to uh, interpret their facial expressions. And I think that's Mm. it's like people wearing masks. It's inherently frightening because we can't we we lack some important information.
1: And and we're also uh, we're also evolved to be slightly slightly wary of people who look either ill or strange or diseased. So. With you know, with with pale makeup and red lips, or someone who's well smiling, be... and you know yeah. that there's not a reason for
0: them
2: to be smiling.
0: Yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're carrying
3: a bucket of confetti. Exactly.
1: And yeah. a clown, Terrifying. a
3: clown dressed
2: as the Elephant Man. No thanks. <laughs> carrying a spider. Not, not my bag at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean,
3: I think, I think. Um, so, On so we talked. We talked about most of us, those, those, uh, those of us who are, um, uh, you know, the majority who. Who get the heebie-jeebies about whatever it might be? But I think there's an interesting group of people who actively seek out the heebie-jeebies. Those Russian guys climbing out on the on the scaffolding, or you know, extreme sport enthusiasts, Or and people on "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here."
2: Yes, that uh, doing that, doing the things in with with buckets, putting their hands in buckets of tarantulas, or whatever. It exactly
3: those those people who are who are you know termed kind of thrill seekers or whatever. I think that that's an interesting. Uh, you know niche in 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 society and they must they must serve a purpose for us as yeah
2: I, I i like uh, roller coasters for example which is totally all it's doing is exploiting a, our instinctive fear response um you know which is which is arousing and, and fun um
3: yeah you know, and it, and it, it, obviously rationally you can tell yourself the roller coaster is you know much safer than lots of other other things uh but it but it it feels it feels scary but there are people who do genuinely dangerous things that feel Mm. scary because they're genuinely dangerous and they continue to push you know as soon as they've sort of sensitized themselves to well that was really dangerous but but now i'm used to that so i want to do something really really dangerous now um i i think that that sort of um that fear addiction is a really interesting thing and only seems to you know, it's a small amount of people within society who who engage in those kind of activities, but they must be they they must be doing something for for all of us. You know, are they the person who's the first one to, to taste a particular yeah, berry or, the first or one whatever? First spear at the mammoth. Or yes, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, but I think they must. I mean, you wouldn't have evolved that. You you wouldn't have evolved it. You wouldn't have evolved it. Uh, you know, to serve the group. You, they would have to. You'd have to get some sort of personal. I my, my theory would be that you. Uh, well, we know that. Um, for example, women find risk taking in men attractive. So you know there 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 has to be some reward for you. Um, it, you know whether it's whether it's. Um, being uh, getting higher status for some reason from taking yeah. or, or, or getting or the biggest bit of the mammoth, yeah, exactly. Why, getting why, first dibs on the mammoth. Why
1: does it have to be an individual award? Why can't it be a social award? So if you have, oh, it's just that. I had, think
2: the idea that there's gr- group selection is is has been kind of dis- disproved and and and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and mathematically, you know, it doesn't. It does. It's not a coherent idea. You because you could free ride. Free riding. Free riding would outcompete. Uh, right. You know. Doing. But equally, it's group. clearly
3: not a, a universal evolutionary niche to to adopt because otherwise we'd all be you know bungee jumping with our. Yeah, with I, our I think the point is that what? with
2: a with a popular. I mean, the idea, the principle would be that in a population in t- of complete sort of risk averse people there is some advantage to being yeah. risk-loving mm. and vice versa. So in other words, we, we're at some kind of stable equilibrium where both strategies mm. are, you know, are kind mm. of, I mean, assuming that it, it works like that. I mean, assuming that we have some kind of slider for risk tolerance. Um, well, look, can <laughs> I just mention some weird phobias? Uh, yes. Chromatophobia, fear Colour. of colours, yeah. Uh, decidophobia. Decision. <laughs> fear of yeah, decision-making. fear made, of making yeah, decisions. Decision. Uh, globophobia. Fear of everything. But no, it's actually fear of balloons. Okay. Uh phobia, <laughs> fear of buttons. I don't know if that's buttons that you press or buttons that you kind of wear, but um uh, there's uh pogonophobia, which is fear of beards. And uh which is quite an interesting one. That's that's a fear of textures with holes in them. Like uh like air text. Yes, kind of that like tight. things that look a bit basically it kind of reminds people of diseased flesh oh, uh okay. and so so you know there, there's a whole like reddit subreddit uh, which is all about um uh this where people put pictures of kind of um uh, poppy like poppy uh seed heads for example evoke this they have they they have these horrible looking holes in them um you know and uh yeah so anyway there you go lots of interesting inter- interesting phobias out there
3: i don't like felt you mean mark felt <laughs> Or just, <laughs> I mean the the textile felt. How do you feel about velour? That's okay. I' okay. felt tennis balls. I'm I'm sort of. They're what not made of felt. Now you've said
2: that, I'm feeling a bit icky at the thought of touching a tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's going on? You've you've given me tennis ball phobia you now. See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Does it remind you of terrible tennis lessons at school or something? I don't know. No. I just it's the, it's the, it's, the it's, it's the feel
3: of them.
2: It's something a bit. St- sort of tacky about them isn't it like sticky kind yeah. of feeling
1: I, mean, I, I don't get it with tennis balls but I do get it with um, so, a similar feeling with uh, Glass Wolf you know like you yeah. know, oh that, that squeaky the squeaky kind of, yeah squeaky but it's also it's actually quite painful and it, it yeah. cuts you and it's itchy and it's it's nasty yeah
2: we've got through the whole podcast without mentioning nails on a blackboard which uh, we haven't is, now is yeah um, <laughs> apparently I don't know if this is true, but, but I recall that um, that deaf people don't like watching people scrape their nails down the blackboard. So you know, it's not just the sound; it's something about the activity. But yes, I mean, it's nails on a blackboard—that's the worst, isn't it?
0: Okay, all right. Um, we'll 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 finish things off there. Thanks, as always, to listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. We've been here with Chris Ragg, Nick Hare, and Peter Coghill. I'm Fraser McGrewer. Thank you very much.
1: Goodbye. <laughs>